This is the Mended Paths Podcast with Chadwick Hayward, episode number four. Welcome to MendedPaths.com. Let's get back to bedtime. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me for the fourth episode of the Mended Paths Podcast. Today, we're joined by Joey DiMaggio, a chef who shares his tale of traveling from a life of food to focusing on food for life. Well, thank you for joining me today, Joey. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, what inspired you to take action and uh, mend the path you're on? Absolutely. Um, So I was born and raised in a a small town called St. Joseph, Michigan, uh, which is right across the lake from Chicago. Uh, Literally about an hour and 15, hour and a half minutes just around the lake. Um, You can look across the lake on a clear day and see the Chicago skyline. So um, grew up going to Chicago a lot. My whole family's from Chicago. I was born and raised. uh, My dad uh, was a local politician and um, his parents, my paternal grandparents, my nana and papa, DiMaggio, um, opened an Italian restaurant in uh, up north of uh, St. Joe where I was born on the lake called, in a little town called Lake Michigan Beach, Hager Shore. And um, so I basically was, uh, you know, born and raised in a really small town, um, really nice town. And uh, spent just about every day at my family's restaurant, okay. where I got a lot of my culinary start and restaurateur beginnings, uh, which also um, led to uh, my being an overweight child, as it, as it turns out. I, uh, my nana and papa, Madeline and Tony were you know, my grandparents. I basically was raised by them just as much as I was my, my actual parents. I spent a lot of time at the restaurant. I started learning how to make homemade meatballs and sausages and homemade pizzas when I was a kid. Learned how to stir and shake martinis, how to make drinks. I knew at the age of nine that you floated three coffee beans on top of Zambuca, like things like that, right? So, oh, crazy. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's, it's an Italian thing. So interesting way to grow up. So that was sort of, you know, my introduction into, you know, into my culture of my family. We're Sicilian, you know, extremely Italian, extremely Sicilian. And, um, you know, in, in our family, Sunday dinners were the big thing. And I don't know if you know anybody who's Italian or Sicilian, but that's like the biggest thing that families do is you have a big Sunday dinner, usually around two o'clock after church. And, you know, dinners were always a big deal and it was all, you know, a, you know, family style. So, yeah. you know, there was always a giant bowl of mustacholi or pasta or meatballs and sausage and pizza. And yeah, there was a salad, but it had, you know prosciutto on it. It had pepperoni on it and, and things like that. So, um, for me growing up, uh, food kind of equaled love. That was what we did. You know, the old Italian saying mangia, 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 which means eat in Italian. Okay. My dad would tell us stories about how when he was growing up, they would go, you know, Italian families tend to be really big traditional families and you'd have a lot of cousins, a lot of aunts, a lot of uncles, a lot of godparents. Yeah. And, you know, we'd go from house to house and every time you'd walk into an old school Italian household, you had to eat. That was the thing. Manja, manja, manja. So my one of my nana's favorite things was she would see anybody that was thin or even muscular and say, you're too skinny, you're too skinny, you manja, you might need to eat. You know, it was like, it was this thing. It was like, you need to eat. All the time. My, all the time. My dad would tell me that he would go from house to house and they would make him eat so much. Sometimes he would get home and he would throw up. He was so sick from eating so much food. Oh, wow. Um, I kind of experienced kind of the same thing too growing up, you know, um, and everyone had their specialties that they made. Uh, but not, not only the one meal, you just kind of eat all day. It was kind of you put the food out and you eat and then you kind of lay around and you watch football or watch whatever's on television. And It was uh, very much a part of the social aspect. Very much a part of the social aspect. The family, the, the, the family woven fabric of our family centered around food. We, we owned a restaurant. That's how my grandparents made their living. Yeah. We were there every day in the kitchen and whatnot and doing whatever and you know, my nana was always cooking from the day, from the minute she got up to the, you know, she went to bed and it was just always centered around the kitchen, cooking and family and food. And, um, I, I realized, um, as I was going through that I, I wasn't very active in the sense that I wasn't really into sports or really wasn't, um, 
athletic, if you will. Um, and I started to have a lot of struggles with weight and um, issues with weight and didn't really know, you know, how to kind of tackle that. And my mom tried different things. They, you know, I went to the place called the diet center and I went to Weight Watchers and I, um, I struggled and uh, also heart disease runs pretty rampant in my family. Uh, just about every man um, has had many or several heart attacks and or bypass surgeries. But it was never ever, I remember growing up, it was, it, it was never about what we were eating because the, what we were eating was our family, our labor of love, right? Yeah. You know, if my grandpa, my papa's making these homemade meatballs from scratch, you wouldn't dare think, well, this is going to make me sick. Well, and it would be insulting if you... It would be insulting. And if you didn't eat what they made, that's incredibly insulting. That's why you ate everywhere you went. For me personally, growing up, um, I I was in high school and I was overweight and I, I didn't really... Re- it wasn't really an issue. I didn't really... It didn't really bother me. Um, my mom thought that I should probably lose some weight and we tried a lot of things and it didn't really work. I mean, everything from you know, being paid to lose weight to if you lose five pounds, we'll go to the toy store and you can get whatever you want Mm. out of, out of no malice, you know, just, that was just the way my, my family kind of operated. They also were kind of the money equals love kind of people. That that was the carrot, ironically. Correct. Ironically, that was the carrot. Um, So when I went to college, I uh, went to school in a small school called Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. Uh, very private, very, very privileged, very um, small school. And I, I kind of lived a sheltered life in the sense my dad was like the mayor of my town and my family owned businesses and all of our cousins owned businesses. And, and I had an older brother and sister that went for me in high school and I was kind of a leader in high school. So I didn't really, I never really got much real world experience in it, okay. if, if you will. So when I got to college, I kind of started looking around and I realized that I was different um, in a lot of ways from some of my classmates. And it kind of dawned on me that food was kind of um, – that I was really overweight and I, and I needed to do something about it. So I actually came home from college, my first um, vacation for Christmas, and I told my parents that I needed to lose weight and I didn't fit in. And I, I, it was just an issue. So I started taking fentermine. Okay, that's a weight loss. A drug, weight loss right? drug. I was one of the first people. This was back in the uh, in the nineties, uh, mid nineties. I was one of the first candidates in my area, significantly, that was prescribed fenfen or fentamine to lose weight, and it worked. I took it and I worked out about six or seven days a week, and I lost about thirty pounds and went back to college. And I was a different person. And I thought, okay, well, this is what my problem was. You know, I, I was overweight. Uh, but never changed what I was eating. Well, then the reports started to come out that fentamine and fenfen was extremely bad for you, and it was tantamount to taking speed, basically, and um, was causing a lot of heart attacks and heart issues and heart palpitations. There were a lot of lawsuits, and then so doctors were not allowed to prescribe it. So I stopped taking it, and then the weight started coming back on, and I struggled with that again. Uh, I then moved to New York, went to school in New York, Um, in Manhattan in 1997. When I was in New York, I didn't really have much of a weight problem in the sense that I was always really active. I was walking, you know, if you live in a big city, you walk everywhere, right? So I would walk 10, 15 miles a day easily, you know, all over the place. And then as I started to, you know, get older, it's, I started to have weight issues again. Well, then I moved back to the Midwest, um, back in 2004, the end of 2004, early 2005. And kind of settled back into my Midwestern lifestyle, which also meant regular eating and all that. And uh, over the course of the next 10 years, I just steadily started to gain weight. And I didn't really notice it as it was happening. I just thought that I was getting older. And, you know, in the Midwest, in a small town, you drive everywhere. There's very little walking involved. Yeah. You go from your car to work, car to home. And... Um, I was managing two different restaurants at the time. The company I worked for had two restaurants, and I was involved with a lot of the chef aspect of it and menu development. I also uh, was invited to be on a PBS uh, affiliate on a show called Dinner in a Book, so I was a guest chef. Okay. And uh, I was also a guest chef on another show called Experience Michiana, which was from the area. So I started um, my culinary aspects and prowess, I noticed, started to change 
I, I began to try to find things in food. I remember cooking things for the show or cooking things for the restaurant or for myself or for friends. And, and it wasn't enough to have steak. The steak had to have shrimp on top of it and, you know, butter, shrimp, and it needed to have crispy deep fried onions on top of it. It needed to have butter fried mushrooms and it needed to have, you know, butter, butter, butter. And, you know, and you get into a lot of the uh, foie gras type things, you know, and, and liver and pâtés that are mostly fat. And, uh, I, you know, I remember just making like crazy cheeseburgers with ham stuffed in them and, and triple cheese stuffed in them. And it, and it, um, I just remember thinking that I loved food and I loved to eat and I lived to eat. And that's what I did. Okay. That was my persona. I was the, the guy that ate the rarest steak you could possibly find. There's actually a restaurant near me called Tosi's. Very, very nice upscale Italian restaurant and they do some great, great things. And uh, they used to let me go in the back when I was a kid and pick out my own steak. My, ever since I was a kid, I would say to the, the server, the waiter, uh, he'd say, how do you want your steak prepared? And I would say, just tell him to walk it through a warm room, you know? <laughs> and uh, there's a prime rib joint near our house, too, called Skips that's legendary. It's been over, you know, in business for over 70 years. And I would get the biggest cut of prime rib, and I would eat all the prime rib and all the fat on the prime rib. And I would have them crisp up the fat. I would eat other people's fat off their prime rib plates. So it was almost a sport for you. It was almost a sport, yeah. I mean, and it was one of those things where I never once thought that this there was anything wrong with that. I, I don't know yeah. why I never made the connection, but you just don't. Food, food equaled love to me. I felt good. It was comfort. Um, cooking for someone is a very personal thing. You know, I would cook for my family and I'd have friends over and holidays. I would I would make the turkey and I, I, I kid you not, there would be five sticks of butter at least in that turkey. Oh, wow. Under the skin, injected. And everyone said, oh, my gosh, Joey, your turkey is the best we've ever had. You know, so there's a great sense of pride in that. Yeah. And, you know, the, the more flavor and the more ridiculous. I, uh, I just started to get bigger and uh, didn't really realize how big I was getting. Didn't. I apparently seemed to care, I would just buy bigger clothes. And I thought, oh, well, I need new clothes, and I'd go try some on, and oh, these fit better, and, and it wasn't concerned about the size. Yeah. And then I started to get sick a lot. This was back, this we're talking about probably about four or five years ago. Okay. Um, I would get really bad sinus infections. I had terrible allergies, just absolutely terrible allergies. I was drinking a lot. I was a, I was a whiskey fan, so I loved um, Crown Royal and Maker's Mark, and I would drink it with Coke, Cola, and Diet Coke. And I mean, looking back at it now, I'm like, my stomach is turning thinking about it. But that's what I did, and I would just, I was always sick, and I would go to the doctor, and she'd give me a Z pack, and that wouldn't work. And I know that your medications are maybe a little different there, but. Um, a Z-Pack azithromycin is the one of the most prescribed uh, antibiotics. Okay. That stopped working. They eventually moved me up to an antibiotic called Leviquin. Uh, Leviquin is one of the most powerful antibiotics you can take. It's normally what they give you when you have pneumonia. Okay. Um, but it seemed to be the only thing that would even touch my, my sinus infections and bronchitis and uh, every other health issue I was having. But I just thought, well, I'm getting sick and I'm taking medicine. And then I started to feel really, really lethargic, and I started drinking a, a lot of Red Bull and a lot of those little five-hour energy drinks that they have, the yep. little shot drinks. Um, I'd get one on my way to work every day. I'd drink Red Bull all day at work because we have Red Bull at work. I would get, an, I would probably sometimes drink another five-hour energy drink at the end of the night, and uh, that's kind of what got me through the day. I was taking a lot of prescription medications for various things. I one day just thought that I just didn't, I didn't feel right. And I, I, I was having a hard time breathing and I was having like chest, not chest pains, but my arm would hurt and felt kind of numb, which, you know, I kind of did my own research work to work classic heart attack. Yeah. Symptoms. And, uh, I got sick again one day and I called, um, my doctor who was fairly new to me at the time. And I went in and she said, you know, you're, you're, you need, you know, you could really use to lose some weight. And I said, yeah, I've been struggling with my weight my whole life. It's kind of tricky for me and it's genetic and it's hereditary. And, you know, my, me and my dad have the same body. We've kind of got that same Italian. And she's like, okay, well, let's run some blood work on you. Um, at this point, I was 36 years old. Okay. So, 
she said, you know, you're in your late thirties and you know, have you had your cholesterol checked and your, you know, all this checked lately? And I said, no, um, my thyroid levels were really, really bad. I already knew that. Uh, I thought the thyroid issue was what was my weight issue. A lot of people do. Oh, well, I'm heavy because I have a thyroid issue, right? Well, she ran a full panel, uh, panel of blood work on me and uh, called me back and said, you need to come in. And she sat me down and uh, at the time, my cholesterol levels, my um, blood pressure, everything about my blood work came back on the extreme high end of where they should be. My triglycerides were almost 500. Oh, wow. Which is bad. My LDL cholesterol was through the roof. My regular cholesterol was through the roof. And um, my doctor basically looked at me and said, uh, you're, you're sneaking up on a, on a heart attack, mister. And I, and I couldn't really wrap my brain around that. I said, well, I'm too young to have a heart attack. And she said, well, no, you're not. I mean, no one's too young if these are your, if these are your numbers. Yeah. So I said, well, what do I do? And she said, well, you're going to have to change your diet. And I thought, well, gosh, I'm not going to go on a diet. I've been on every diet there is imaginable. I've done the Atkins diet. I've done Weight Watchers Diet Center. I've taken every over-the-counter diet pill there is. I've taken prescription diet pills. I've taken Adderall. I've taken everything there is to take. And um, she said, well, here's the thing. You know, you're going to need cholesterol medication. You're going to need blood pressure medication. You're going to need a blood thinner. Uh, she was concerned about my arteries. Yeah. Uh, she said, you, you know, basically rattled off a list of medication that I would have to take. And I said, well, you know, for how long? And she said, well, forever, unless something changes. I thought, oh, my goodness. So I uh, really thought um, I got to do something. I mean, this is obviously not working. And uh, I got home that night from the doctor's office and I was just kind of beside myself and I didn't really know what to do. So I was online and I was on Facebook and uh, somebody I know had posted about a documentary called Forks Over Knives. And they said something to the effect of, watch this documentary, it'll change your life about reversing heart disease. I remember what stuck out in my mind. Yeah. Thought, well, I've seen every man in my family have heart attack after heart attack and take medication. And I thought, well, it's just hereditary. It's just, it runs in the family, right? Of course. Yeah, the excuses that you make for yourself, right? Yeah, just a plethora, a myriad of, you know, of, you know it's, it's genetic, you know, I'm big boned, whatever. Um, nothing I can do about it. So I sat down and I clicked on the link. And at the time, it was a fairly new documentary. So there was a link to watch it for free. And I remember I'd gotten home from work and it was like 1.30 in the morning. And I sat there at my computer at my office at home and I watched the entire documentary and just something in me clicked. Just something clicked in my brain that said, you have to try this. And I said to myself, you, you have to give this a shot. You've tried everything else in the world. Maybe this is it. Maybe yeah. it's not but maybe this is it. So I just, something, something clicked and I said, all right, starting tomorrow, I'm not going to eat any meat. I'm not going to eat any dairy, any cheese. And I was addicted to cheese, by the way. And you know that the casein milk protein and cheese has been proven to be as physically addictive as, as like opioid narcotics. Yeah. Sugar, sugar and fat has affects the same areas of the brain. Same receptors, same sensory things. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give this two weeks. And if it doesn't work in two weeks, then this isn't for me because it seemed really drastic. I remember watching the documentary and watching what they were eating. And it was like bowls of like vegetables and lettuce. And, and I just thought, oh, gosh, that looks so boring. And oh, these poor people, this is what they have to eat. I read a study and a, a really interesting article, too, about especially the baby boom generation, yeah, about how they feel like they remember as kids, you know, after the wars and times where there wasn't a lot of food and, and if you're successful and if you're wealthy, you've risen to the top of the food chain and it's your God given right to be this man. And you know what I'm saying? And you can afford these expensive meats and you can being overweight is a sign of wealth and a sign of privilege. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Just like in the Roman times, the Greeks, you know, and, and I always kind of had that mentality and I thought, well, I'm going to try this. So the next, very next day, I got up and I went to my refrigerator 
and I threw away every bit of cheese, every bit of meat, the milk I had in there, everything. I just threw it away. And I thought, okay, I, I've got to do this. I have to do this. I had a big thing of Parmesan, like imported grated Romano that was super expensive. I threw it away. Oh, wow. You were committed. I was committed. I was going to do this. I was going to give it a shot. In the back of my mind, kind of secretly thinking and maybe hoping that it wasn't going to work. And I'd be like, okay, well, good. That's not the answer. Right? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I live in a small town too. You know, I'm right across the lake from Chicago. I'm in an area called New Buffalo, just a little bit south of where I grew up. And it's a small town. There's not a lot of big city action going on. Um, There's not a lot of health food store. At the time, there weren't anyway. This was about four years ago. And uh, so I drove to this uh, store called Apple Valley Farms, and it's a um, it's a store located uh, where it's just a lot of na- you know natural and holistic food. Um, there's a community over there that, for religious reasons, don't eat meat. Okay. Uh, Seventh Day Adventists, I think, is what they are. But for for whatever reason, there this store existed, and I knew a lot of people that were health you know health nuts, as I called them. I knew they shopped at the store, okay. and it's about a half an hour from my house. So I drove there. And I went through and I looked at every meat alternative they had. I looked at every cheese alternative they had. They had dairy-free sour cream. They had dairy-free cottage cheese, dairy-free ricotta, dairy-free cheese, uh, you know, of all kinds. And I loaded up my shopping cart. Okay. I think I spent like $350 at the store that day and thought, all right, well, you know, if I'm not going to eat real meat or cheese, I need to eat fake meat and cheese. So I got home and I kind of was doing this thing and started eating the food and bought some of the stuff and it didn't really taste great to me and it was clearly not real to me, but I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try this. And I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. Okay. Because I didn't want to set myself up for failure. I thought the second that I go and proclaim to the world that I'm never going to eat meat or cheese or dairy again, then if I failed, then I would look like a failure. Mm. So uh, that was the first day and I made some interesting things and I'm a chef, so I'm pretty good about putting things together. Um, They had this meat product that kind of formed like ground beef and I made like a fake meatloaf out of it. Okay. And it was actually pretty good. I loaded it up with a bunch of ketchup, you know, because ketchup's vegan. (sighs) Um, you know, high fructose corn syrup. And, uh, but this was the beginning for me. I mean, this was a big step for me. You know, this was huge. This is not like I was a healthy person who decided to just cut out the last vestiges. Yeah. You know, I was not a meatless Monday kind of guy that did not (laughs) exist for me. So I, uh, I, that was the first day. And then the second day I got up and I went to work and I, uh, had, I made something different and somebody was like, what are you eating? And I said, oh, I'm just kind of trying, I'm experimenting with recipes for this show I'm doing. And they were like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't, I I almost felt like I didn't want to be outed as this vegan, you know, this vegan was such a weird term and a name, you know, has such a strange connotation to it. So that was the second day. The third day I woke up and I, Kid you not, I immediately felt different. Hmm. I normally wake woke up and I could barely breathe and I could tell I'd been snoring all night because my throat was sore and like my uvula was sore. My allergies were really bad and I could breathe more clearly and it was easier to breathe almost. This is like three days into this. That's crazy. And it was crazy. And I went to the mirror and I looked at my face and I could tell that some of the swelling, my face looked smaller. It looked thinner. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is this has got to be it. I mean, this is three days. That's not a lot of time. <laughs> no. And um, I'm a former child actor, singer, dancer, Broadway kid. I, I, was in, I went to a Broadway training academy in Manhattan. I was a model when I was in New York in my, you know, my thin days or whatever. So, you know, I've always been, you know, conscious about physicality and and you know, things of that nature, of the vanity nature. And I thought, oh my gosh. So I stuck with it um, through the week. And then I decided I was going to tell people. So then I started telling people that I stopped eating meat and dairy. And they laughed at me. They just laughed. They said, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you? Yeah, sure you did. Right. Nice and encouraging, right? Encouraging. What are you going to eat? What are you I'm like? Well, I'm doing this. And actually, one of the restaurants that we, our company owned at the time, we don't any longer. It was an Italian restaurant as well. And I would always have make me these ridiculous things. 
And uh, one of the guys who made me a lot of the food that I used to eat actually came up to me and he was like, hey, are you are you mad at me or is there something wrong? And I'm like, no, why? He's like, well, you, you haven't, you haven't let me cook for you anymore, boss. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm changing my diet. And it was just, you know, my dad was like, okay, you, you're going to stop eating meat who from the age of, you know, you're old enough to walk. You were walking in the back kitchen and picking out a steak. Okay. You know, escargot and everything. So I, uh, you know, and as the weeks went on, I literally just started dropping weight, which yes, is important. And I started to look different and people immediately started asking me, oh my gosh, are you okay? <sighs> it's the first thing. Like, are you, are you sick? Are you okay? You look like you're losing weight. Are you, I'm like, no, I'm good. I, you know, I changed my, my diet and I, and I'm not eating meat or dairy. Well, how do you, and I said, and I feel unbelievable. My allergies started to go away. Yeah. Um, it was just, you know, it was just crazy the, the way that it, it all started to happen. And as I went into it, you know, I was in the transition phase, you know, is what I would call it going from being a crazy, crazy meat and cheese and dairy eater into a plant-based diet. So I was relying a lot on those transitional foods. So the more processed, like vegan alternatives for meats yeah. and cheeses and that stuff, right? So furky things on Thanksgiving, we would, you know, you know, we get to a furky. My mom was vegan. She has been vegan on and off for a while. Um, she has some fibromyalgia issues and some other issues, but um, and some other arthritis issues. Um, so she would kind of do it with me from time to time to kind of put, you know, it, it was awkward. Now, all of a sudden, I can't, eat anything that's in my family restaurant. Yeah. Literally there's nothing there that I can eat. And part some of my family really kind of saw it as as an insult. Oh, oh you know our food's not good enough. But and I didn't know how to tell them I don't want to end up like you without actually saying that. Yeah. I didn't want to you know kind of say that. So I I made that transition. It was actually um, Memorial Day weekend of 2012. And um, at this point, I was now into the um, after Christmas into January, February, and I was um, reading through our local paper that I get online, and there was a a note about a vegan raw group that was forming, and okay. it was meeting at a public library in um, in just the next town over from us in, in Michigan City, Indiana. And I thought, oh my gosh, because I didn't know anybody that was vegan or that was plant-based around me. You know, I didn't, none of my friends had, were like, you know, it was, I just felt very alone and very isolated. And uh, the good news is I live by myself, so I don't have to cook for anybody and I didn't have to convince anybody else to eat like that with me. So that was kind of the good news. And I uh, made it a point that I was going to go to this meeting and I went to this meeting at the library and it was packed and I was shocked. There were probably 75 people there. Oh, wow. Which was a, a, a lot for this small town. It just, you know, at the time, this was about four years ago, it goes to show you that there was really a need for it. There was a hunger, pardon the pun, yeah. for, you know, alternatives and lifestyle alternatives. And the woman that, had, that was um, presenting at the meeting, she had set it up. Her name's um, Dr. Karen Edwards. She's a naturopath doctor, an ND. Okay. And uh, she had this table, and it was just full of fruits and vegetables and all these things. And she gave this brilliant slideshow presentation about all these plant-based things. And it was mostly centered around juicing and eating raw greens. And um, she has a book called Eat Your Garden, you know, how, like teaching people how you can literally go out and forage in your own yard and garden for you know, greens and dandelion greens and we, they're edible weeds. And I thought, oh, this is a little out there for me. <sighs> you know, I'm just trying to not have a heart attack, basically. You know, and then and there's a lot of, you know, vestiges that get wrapped into this whole thing. There's the animal rights side of it. There's the animal yeah. activism side of it. There's the, the ecological side of it. There's the environmental impact side of it. You yeah. know, the fact that, you know, eating meat pollutes more to greenhouse gases than every car on the planet combined. Yeah. Which I think more and more is becoming more and more prevalent um, knowledge and information. So I sat through this meeting and I, and I, um, she asked some questions. I answered some questions and I was pretty involved. And at the end of it, she asked if anyone would be interested in helping grow the group. And I raised my hand and it kind of all went from there. I told her that I would kind of help her. Well, two days later, I ended up being the director of the group. <laughs> That's a quick rise to the top. 
Quick rise to the top, go big or go home. And I'm pretty tech savvy, so I created a Facebook page and a website. And we started having monthly meetings where people would come. And I spent a lot of time with Dr. Karen. And she really was a huge catalyst and a huge change for me as well. She really brought me into the, the more raw aspect of it. You know, getting away from a lot of the processed foods and the and the cheese, you know, the frozen yeah foods. You know, we you know a lot of people say, oh, it's vegan, it's it's vegan, it's vegan, right? Well, Oreos are vegan. That's right. Right. You know, um, Fritos are vegan. Vegan does not necessarily mean healthy. Correct. So she was really instrumental. Um, she was a huge, huge influence on me. Um, she taught me a lot of really great juicing recipes. Um, she taught me, she has a cookbook, it's a vegan raw cookbook. She taught me a recipe for a, a chocolate cake that's made with avocado and raw cocoa powder and, mm. and coconut cream and, you know, and no processed sugar, you know, raw agave and, and sweeteners and just really amazing things. And she was really the, one of the reasons that I got really more to where I am today, which is really what the Forks Over Knives uh, platform is about, which is really more you know, solely plant-based eating fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, beans, obviously, you know, protein sources like that. And she, um, so she and I ran that group and we did it for, uh, for a good year or so. And then she was kind of busy doing other things. And I started to get really busy at work and other things. So we sent past the torch to other people who have taken over the group and have, you know, are continuing it really well. And I still speak to that group and whatnot, but, uh, I, um, I, I then began to transition from a lot of those transition, what I call them transition foods, yep. um, into a lot more of that plant-based. And then I found as a, as a chef and as a culinary person, I was able to be more creative than I have ever been in my entire life from a culinary standpoint using only plant-based ingredients, which was so much more exciting. The cooking show that I'm a, a guest on, I uh, was talking to the host one day and she knew all about my transition. And I said, listen, if I'm going to continue to be a, a guest chef, I, I'm honored and I love doing it, but I, I can't consciously come on television and cook food that I'm not going to eat. Yeah. And uh, she said, no, absolutely. Do whatever you'd like. So I started doing, um, you know, these really cool, you know, plant-based things that, you know, had a lot to do with cauliflower and root vegetables and, and, you know, and doing um, really exciting raw dishes with quinoa and with with peppers and really flavorful, filling, you know, satisfying things. And um, the response that we got from those were so much greater than the responses from all the other shows that I had done, which was really interesting. That's awesome. We found that people in the studio when we were filming, you know, they would come down before we let, you know, we make all this food and then the producers and the camera directors and the, you know, the videographers, they'd all eat and all the, the interns and everything from the TV station would come down. Well, they were always super excited now. And even when I do it now um, to come down and see what sort of plant-based things that we've created and, and just in shock and awe at how good everything is. That's incredible. Flavorful everything is. And that's been really inspiring. And that's what's kept me inspired. I was, uh, you know, at work at the restaurants, I would, um, you know, make my own food and I would show my staff. I would say, hey, this is, you know, how I'd like you to make this for me. Um, experimenting with things like like rice paper rolls, you know, like raw, raw Japanese rolls, you know, we, you know, filled with like fresh basil, fresh spinach and avocado and quinoa and using, you know, using more plant-based things other than like sugary dressings and, yeah and things like that. And, and everyone was always really excited and interested to do that. And over the years we've noticed in our restaurant that our, our menu has been I would say progressing because I think that's the proper term for it progressing from predominantly fried predominantly meat based to healthier alternatives um, more plant-based alternatives a lot more vegetarian alternatives um, which is you know it's been really exciting to see and see the way that, that that people respond and that they take to things like that and to show people that you can make really healthy, flavorful plant-based food that's amazing to eat and and it's exciting and it's filling and it, and it will satisfy you. So as my journey kind of went on, um, I, I grew as, you know, as a person, I obviously, I tell people it's not a diet, it was a complete lifestyle change. Yeah. 
you know, people have asked me, well, well, you know, what do you do? And they see me and they're like, wow, um, you look really great. You've lost all this weight. What are you doing? And I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm on a plant-based diet and I get the same response that, you know, if you, anybody that's seen Forks Over Knives, oh, wow, that sounds really extreme. Oh, I could never do that. And I say, yeah. well, okay. I mean, that's... You, you asked me what I did and you want to know my secret and I'm then I tell you my secret and you're you're not interested and that's you know and that's fine. One of my favorite quotes is uh is in regards to that where people say that this diet is extreme and I can't remember the name of the doctor that gave the quote but they they said I find having your chest cracked open and a doctor grafting a vein on your heart around a clogged artery that's extreme. Eating a bit of lettuce is not extreme. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Eating an avocado is not extreme. That friend is extreme. It's been really interesting, you know, to see people's reactions and perceptions and then seeing people come to the group that I was involved with. As I really started to lose weight, to change and transform, people more and more were really reaching out to me and saying, oh my gosh, you look amazing and you look you look healthier. And that was the one thing that I wanted people to impart on people. This is not about weight loss right? It's not a diet. It's about being healthier. Yes. In turn, you know, I was, I lost about a hundred pounds. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you over, over my course. And I will never forget when I went back to my doctor, it was uh, about a year later and she redid my blood work and she was astonished. She could not believe my levels. My, my, all my levels were far below where they, than the, the average, you know, they were way below what is, you know, what is considered to be okay. My blood pressure was just phenomenal. I mean, she was just shocked. It's better than our current abnormal normal. Correct. Yeah. She said, your levels are, you're better, you know, and, and to me, that was just, it was such a huge sense and so, you know, feeling of accomplishment, but also I thought I, I, I can't let it go unnoticed that I literally saved my own life. Yeah. You know, and I don't and I don't mean to, you know, to be hyperbolic about it, but given my family history, given with what my numbers were, given what where I was at, it I mean, it is shocking to me to look back now and to see photos of myself back then and not even recognize that person. Yeah. And just everything that's changed, you know, and I and I get people asking all the time, well, isn't it hard? Isn't it difficult? Don't you miss eating pizza? Don't you miss eating steaks? Well, you know, no. I mean, what I tell people is as I got more into the plant, real plant-based aspect of it, where I was eating a lot of avocado and fresh fruits and vegetables and quinoa and teff and polenta and, you know, and a lot of things and, you know, your body chemistry changes. It really does. And the things that I used to crave to me now, I find quite honestly repulsive. Yep. Um, I see burgers with blood, well, it's not the blood, it's myoglobin or whatever that runs out of it. And it, and it makes me, ugh, you know, it turns my stomach, the smell of meat, the smell of chicken, which used to be my mainstay. I can relate to that. Yeah, right? It's, it's crazy, right? How your body chemistry does change. And you start to crave better food and you start to feel better and you want to do better. I'm at the point now where if I eat like a veggie burger or, you know, because we go on vacation a lot, sometimes it's hard to find plant-based food and I'll have to resort to a veggie burger and fries. And to me, that's like my junk food. Yeah. Whereas before, that would be the healthiest thing I could possibly think about eating. Yeah. And now that's junk food for me. You know, and it's been really, I've been inspired by people that have come up to me and said, I want to learn, I want to know more. And I tell people, you don't have to take the plunge. Everyone's story and everyone's, you know, path is different. Like you're you're like mended paths, right? Yep. Everyone's journey is different. Every little bit you can do is going to help. That's right. You know, have your meatless Monday, have your, you know, your whatever Tuesday, pick one day a week. You know, I'm lucky and I'm fortunate that I have the resources that I, I'm able to do this. The biggest thing I get from people is, well, working in a restaurant, isn't that, oh, that's got to be incredibly difficult. You saw this amazing, delicious food going by all the time that you can't eat. And I say, no, I have a bevy of, of fresh fruits and vegetables at my disposal. Yeah already there ready for me, which, which I am very fortunate and honored to, to be able to have, you know, and I, and I understand that it's sometimes more difficult to, you know, it's easier to go to McDonald's or to go to 
a fast food place or go grab a burger or go grab pre-prepared food or pick up a rotisserie chicken at the store because it's convenient. It's convenient. And I get all that. My goal has been through this whole process is to share what I've learned and share my story and teach people, even if it's a recipe for me to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to show you this recipe that your husband and your kids or your wife and your kids or your partner, whoever, boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, whoever it is, they will eat and they will love and it is good for them. Yeah, like people people say that you can't have this and it's I, if you're anything like me it's not that I can't have it because I could if I wanted to I choose not to. I I choose to avoid food that I know is not going to lead to me being more healthful. Correct, absolutely. Um I tell people all the time that I used to love food and I love to eat and I live to eat and I live to cook. It is literally my life. It's what I do for a living. It's what I did for fun. It's what I did on television. But the thing is, I loved food more than I loved myself. Yeah. Because I was killing myself. I was slowly poisoning my own body, taking myself into an early grave. Our food addictions are the slowest way to commit suicide. Absolutely. And I equate it, and I try to explain to people, I say... You know, like if you need like what they call retail therapy, right? You're having a really bad and what makes you happy? Shopping makes you happy, right? It's yep. a great feeling. So you go out and you splurge and you buy all this stuff and you spend all this money that you may or may not have and you get home and you take everything out and you look at it and you look at all these bags and all these clothes and jewelry and watches, whatever it is that you've just bought. And do you really feel any better? Most of the time you have buyer's remorse. Right. It lasts a short time, right? And then you look at it and you go, okay, well, now what? For me, that's how food was. I would, I would, you know, and I, nobody's that hungry, right? We live in, you know, the, the, you know, North America where, you know, yes, there are families and there are, don't get me wrong. There are socioeconomic barriers in places where food is not prevalent, but for for most Americans, it's not about hunger. It's about the way that food makes you feel, but you love the taste of it. It makes, you know, it releases those endorphins. Well, I don't know if I entirely agree with that because um, I, I think a lot of people are obese, but they truly are hungry because they're not getting enough nutrients. And so their body is telling them to feed me more and more and more. Yes. Well, you know what? You're absolutely right. I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, they're not getting with their body. So they're putting other stuff in their That's body. That's right. Well, and also, you know, things like, like MSG that they put in food and Chinese food, it literally makes you crave more of it. Yes. You know, and it's, yeah. And that's self, that's a, that's a vicious cycle. Um, I, I, I think that I just mean also that, that it's more of an emotional thing. Of course. You eat when you're sad, you eat when you're happy, you eat when you're family. And my biggest, if, you know, my biggest takeaway, if I can ever get through to somebody that's looking for something and, and just say, listen. You have to love yourself more than you love to eat because you have to eat to live. You know, it's not like a drug addiction or like alcohol where you're, you can live without alcohol yes, live without drugs. You cannot live without eating. So you have to find a way to make it, you know, to, to make those two things come together. And that's, that's really the saddest thing for me is that I thought that, you know, all the food that I was eating was, was making me happy and, and really, like you said, and also, yes, you're starving for nutrition because your body's not getting it. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's interesting, you know, the studies that they, and the, and the charts and the things that I've seen about, you know, the calorie density, right. Yep. Uh, or how, how vegetables will, you know, 100 calories of vegetables will fill up your stomach because in, and then a hundred calories of potato chips is two potato chips, right? That's right. You know, and I get the, the biggest thing that I get too is well, where do you get your protein? How do you get your protein? You're not getting enough protein. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I work out, I'm a runner. I can't get, you know, I need my protein. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and unfortunately I'm sure that, you know, you're well aware, you know, the USDA, the people that, that provide the guidelines for what we're eating and what we're supposed to be eating. And that, that's, that's parenthetical. I'm doing the parenthetical yeah. air quotes. What we're supposed to be eating, the dairy industry mandates and dictates because... Well, the the food guide is put out by the USDA, which 
primary objective is to advocate for farmers. Correct. Yeah. And I've actually been reading some studies about how the dairy industry is not doing well because almond milk and soy milk, cashew milk, hemp milk, chia milk is so prevalent nowadays that they're really struggling with their... Well, I think they've also got to the point where they can no longer make the cages smaller or cows pregnant for longer. So there, there's no way to increase the profit margin per cow anymore. So they've kind of plateaued in that regard as well. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And there are some you know regulations and whatnot that are that are happening. But, um, you know, and, and to that point as well, you know, once, once I started transitioning into this lifestyle, I did realize, um, you know, some other things do start to happen. You think, I think, oh my goodness, the, the impact that I'm having, that my carbon footprint is so, so minuscule compared to what it used to be, Yeah. you know, and, and how many animals am I saving by not, <laughs> by not eating them? You know, and that's a whole other aspect. And, and there are a lot of misconceptions out there. People come to me and say, well, I could never be vegan because I have leather shoes and I have leather in my car and I wear yeah. belts. And that's a different part of it, right? I mean, there's so many moving parts to this thing. Totally. And for, for me, I, I like, I consider all of that a, a nice side effect. Um, where my primary objective is to increase my healthfulness. And I'll do that first and foremost. And then if there's these external benefits that I'm getting, then fantastic. Absolutely. hundred percent. I have people that come to me like, wow, you know, you look great. You've lost a lot of weight. What's going on? And, oh, well, I'm plant-based and oh, you're, oh, I can, you know, your skin looks amazing and you don't, you know, I look yeah. at pictures of me four years ago and I look 10 years older four years ago than I do to this very day. Yeah, I'd believe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you experience the same thing. I mean, it's just everything about your body changes. I actually um, have gotten more, a little more into some Ayurvedic type things. Um, I do some oil pulling and some, you know, different techniques or two that I've sort of gotten into and, it, you know, just a more holistic approach. Hmm. When I started this journey, which was um, Memorial Day weekend of 2012, so it's been you know, four years plus for me now, not only am I down the 100 pounds, you know, give or take a few of whatever it was, I literally take virtually zero medication. I still take a small amount of my thyroid medication. Hmm. Um, my levels are still not quite where they need to be. They have greatly improved. No cholesterol medication, no blood thinners, nothing like that. I don't take antibiotics anymore. Yeah. Virtually do not get sick. I, I try to explain that to people and they're just baffled. They don't understand. Flu season comes around every year. Are you going to get a flu shot? Are you going to get a flu shot? I, I haven't gotten sick since I've transitioned. It's, right? It's I mean, it's, it's remarkable. And, you know, for no other reason, I tell people that, that are interested. Obviously, you know, we don't want to be those people that go around and, and are, are preaching and pushing anything down anybody's throat. But if somebody asks me, you know, I, I'm interested in improving these things. I say, I more, I would be happy to, I will. And I have gone to people's homes and gone to the grocery store with them and walked them through. I say, let's start with four things that you can make. That's awesome. Right. Let, let me show you, let me walk you step by step, like videotape it. If you want, um, let's record it. I had a woman who was a guest at our restaurant who had terrible fibromyalgia and other issues. And she was taking, Oh gosh, one of the things I watch the news a lot, and you know, every other commercial is a, is a commercial for some prescription medication and, you know, just horrible medications. This woman was on, she up and down swore that when she ate a plant-based diet, even if it was for a short time, she felt better. And I said, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, it's a hundred percent true. My mom is the same way. If she eats dairy or cheese, her arthritis acts up. Yep. She can feel the swelling in her joints. She's got a trigger finger that starts to act up. Well, those foods are very inflammatory. Very inflammatory, very phlegmy, allergy issues. Um, I tell people that have really bad allergies, you know, cut out the dairy. People with skin issues. You know, they ask me, they come to me and I say, try it. I've got a girl who works for me who's suffered with terrible skin issues, you know, addicted to milk and dairy. And I said, in one week she came back and she said, I cannot believe the difference in one week. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Not to mention the food that we're eating today, or not that we're eating, but that people are eating is, you know, it's chock full of hormones and yep. progesterone and testosterone and antibiotics. And, you know, they're just pumping these poor livestock full of things to keep them alive and keep them healthy. Well, even if they aren't, even if you're getting antibiotic-free beef or whatever, it's you're getting it from an animal. 
they have their own hormone system, right? So naturally they have hormones. And this kind of goes back to the, the comment on protein. It's like people ask where you get your protein and they expect to be getting it from the cow, the beef that they're eating, not realizing that the cow got theirs from eating grass, right? It's like cut out the middleman, cut out the middleman. (laughs) Why take, uh, right the toxins that are built up as you go down the food chain so and you know and it, when you go through the transition it's um you start realizing that that you can really make a huge difference in your own and to take your own health into your own hands is literally the greatest gift that anybody that you can give yourself absolutely and, but you know anything else you can do and i've struggled with my family members and you know and i've looked at people that i've loved and said no amount of money in the world is going to matter if you don't have your health. Absolutely. And if you're not going to do it for you, what about for your kids? Yeah. Your grandkids. I get it. I know that pizza is delicious. I know. You know, it sounds kind of cheesy, but you really do have to have more respect for yourself and love yourself more than you love eating that burger. Yeah. You know, I tell people that there is so much in this world that we have no control over, right? There are zero, there's so many things you have zero control over. The one thing that you have absolute 100% control over is what you put into your own body. Absolutely. No one else is going to put anything into your body. It's you that's doing it. And you have to make the decision that that it means enough to you. Yeah, so many people resolve that it's their genetics or uh, their parents had it, so it's bound to happen to them or or they're hoping that they will be able to buy their way out of it with the newest prescription drug. And it's it's really not that. Yeah. And, you know, and there's and there's different, you know, realms of this. You know, you've got, you know, Dr. Furman and, you know, Dr. You know, Caldwell and Esselstyn. And you've got the, the doctors that are the zero oil, you know, absolute zero oil. My friend Karen, the naturopath doctor, she was actually able to reverse uh, a great deal of cancer and some other terminal illnesses that she herself had. I know people that are diabetic that take insulin uh, through a pump attached to their bodies. I'd call that extreme. I call that extreme. I would call that extreme, but they are not willing. These are people that I love hmm. and they're not willing to even try or consider a, well, my, I, I go to the Mayo clinic and they said I can have this in, in moderation. And you have a pump attached to your body that's injecting insulin into your bloodstream Yeah, every half hour. I, I would call that extreme. I, I don't think eating avocados is extreme. Well, and that's, that's fixing a symptom. It's not actually fixing Correct. the issue. Right. So, right. And, 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 and like anything else, um, I would, I would, I would have more respect for somebody that says, "I don't care what it's doing to my body. I like to eat it, and to me, it's worth it." Yeah. Okay, then fine. You know, but don't get the facts misconstrued. You know, if you want to. At the end of the day, if you're making an informed decision, then that's your right. Right. It's like smoking. People that smoke, they say, "I know this is killing me, but I love to do it, and I don't care." Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, but at least you know. I mean, I not that it makes it better, but. You know, and I try to help people as much as I can. You know, every day in our restaurant, I'll have servers come up to me and say, oh, Joey, um, so-and-so is a vegan and so-and-so is a vegan. Can you help them? And I go over and I say, hi, I can help you. And they kind of look at me and I say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the resident vegan. And they, they get really excited. Hmm. It's like, oh, my gosh. You know, and I try to help people. And anywhere I go speak, I try to help them with restaurant menus and say, listen, this is what you need to look out for. These are the things you can ask, you know, don't be afraid. As long as you're very clear about what it is, you know, people are more than, if it's a good restaurant, they're more than happy to accommodate. They really are. And more and more, you're going to start seeing more and more plant-based things. Uh, We had a meeting today with our restaurant talking about menu development coming up for the spring. And we had this exact conversation about plant-based diets and plant-based foods and, um, we're going to put uh, to at least two or three more menu items on that will be considered 100% vegan. That's awesome. With no modification, nothing necessary, which, you know, which is, it's very exciting. It's progressive. It's progressive. It's very progressive. And that's, and that's where the, the trend is heading, you know, and, and it's just so, it's so interesting The you know, especially for United States and America, they call it the sad, it's sad yep. standard American diet, right? You know, you look at other countries and you look at, if you read the China study and you look at their their rates of cancer and breast cancer and osteoporosis and, and, and it's directly directly correlates with their plant based diets. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Yeah. Correct. I, I did read something where I think parts of China that, that were 
used in the China study, they're starting to show rates of cancer and other issues because they started to have fast food chains pop up, uh, which is depressing and regressive. But, um, you know, and it's, and it's not, um, you know, I tell people it's, it's a lifestyle, you know, it's an absolute lifestyle. And it's something that, that really is, is simple. And, and, and every argument that can may, be made against it, I can very easily disprove and show you a better option. Yeah. Well, it's really expensive. Well, okay. Um, actually, no, you can go to the store and buy vegetables and beans and quinoa and avocados for usually a lot. I mean, if you, if you know how to do it properly, you can, it can be done very inexpensively. Our grocery bill has gone down. But also, um, you can either pay now or pay the doctor later. That's right. Well, I mean, you're, you're taking $150 worth of prescriptions a month. You know, that's the argument for it. The, here's the good news, too. I think that even for the transitional person or the once or twice a week person, there are some decent, healthy alternatives out there now. Um, you know, they're getting better. You know, I, I tell people all the time, if you need to buy veggie burgers and fake butter, you know, the earth balance butter, or you want to buy the almond milk or whatever to get you through, if, if, it's, if you're going to eat that instead of, meat or, or dairy, it's yes, it's going to be better for you. Yeah. Should your entire diet consist of that? Well, no, absolutely not. Again, it's great transition food for while you're developing their taste bud. Once a week food. Yeah. You know, so every once in a while on my day off, I'm like, oh, I really want, you know, a veggie burger. Hmm. Oh, you know, and then I immediately, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> um, I, f- I find it's always better to make it myself. Yeah. So... If you were to give one piece of advice to someone that's uh, trying to lead a more healthy life, what would it be? I, I would say I think what I've been saying is is you really have to look in the, take a good look in the mirror and do do you like what you see? Are you are you happy? Do you love yourself or do you love food? Yeah. That would be my number one piece of advice it, because I got to tell you, food is not going to love you back. No. It's, it's not going to love you back. It's not going to text you back. It's not going to return your phone call. And, you know, there's an old quote that's, you know, spread around a lot by, by the great uh, RuPaul. And he says, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Yeah. Which is, is, is kind of true, but it's very true. You have to, and it, like, again, it sounds cheesy, but I would, I would tell, say to somebody, you really have to respect your body and respect your and give yourself the gift of health. You owe it to yourself. That's what I said to myself. I owe it to myself to at least try this. Yeah, you truly do get out what you put in. Absolutely. And when and if anybody, you know, just try it. Try it. Give it a. I said two weeks. I woke up three days later and felt like a different person. That's incredible. I, I was. I think I was very far on the other spectrum of that. And it really was a never look back for you as well. It was a never, it's been a never, ever look back. And everybody says to me, are you going to do this forever? And I'm actually having a tattoo designed uh, right now by a brilliant artist, brilliant artist friend of mine. Um, And she told me it was going to take her a long time. And I said, no worries. And she said, you're not going to like go back on this, right? And I said, no, no, this is it. And, and, and now that I'm into it, it's so second nature for me. Yeah. I don't even think about it. You know, it's not even, it never crosses my mind. People say to me, well, oh, just, uh, you know, do you ever once in a while just want to eat a burger? Well, no, not to mention I would get violently ill if I yeah. did. I did um, shortly after my transition to the plant-based lifestyle, probably about a year into it, I uh, went to a restaurant and I was with mixed company and it was kind of like a bar and grill and I didn't really want to make a scene, you know, and I asked for no butter or no, you know, something. It was like a portobello sandwich and I was halfway through eating it and I could feel the butter. I could just feel it in my mouth and uh, it just didn't sit with me. And I got home and about an hour later, I actually ended up throwing up. Oh, crazy. Just from the butter. Yeah. Um, so now in my line of work being what I do, I do have to taste foods from time to time hmm. Do um, you know, I can't develop a menu item without knowing what it tastes like. I do very, very teeny tastes. And sometimes I'll do like, a, if you see a wine taster, they'll spit it out. Yep. I'll literally taste and spit because if I do too much, my stomach literally gets blue. I drink, um, I'll get pineapple cause the, the enzymes and the acid in the pineapple really help to neutralize um, a lot of that. I don't eat the food. I will taste it and spit it back out. We got a sample of a salad dressing that we were looking to use from a company. And I went and I tasted it. 
and I could feel that there was, and I said, there's something in this. They're like, oh, no, no, it's all, no, there's no, animal. I said, no, there's, there, is there fish sauce in this? No, 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 no. And I said, give me that bottle. And, they, and sure enough, and I could feel it. Yeah. You know, it just, it's like a foreign, like an, your body gets acutely aware of it. Mm hmm. Yeah, it sure does. I'm sure that you've experienced the same thing. I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. You know, people ask me, well, what do you eat? You know, well, what do you eat? And I say, well, you know, I, I eat the rainbow. I eat every color of vegetable, every color of fruit. I eat a lot of, of hummus. I like to make homemade hummus. If people, and I tell people, you wouldn't believe how easy it is. It's the easiest thing in the world to make. Oh, hummus is fantastic. Yeah. And there's so many, it's so versatile. You can, you know, you can take hummus and mix it with avocado or chickpeas with avocado and make a spread. That's usually what I do is, uh, is a mix between a guacamole and a hummus mix. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, homemade guac, tomatoes. I love to eat fresh Roma tomatoes and avocado and I love black beans. I love garbanzo beans. Um, I love quinoa and quinoa, you know, I tell people is a complete protein source, you know, and then I go to work and I, I, I eat quinoa bowls and I eat salads and, you know, there's a lot of interesting things you can do. I mean, flatbreads with no cheese, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how creative, you know, you can get and how much it is. And I always tell people too, um, I, I turn them on to, I forget which, what it's called. It's a, an information source. It's a book. Um, about particular parts of the body, right? How nature has developed foods that mimic your body, right? Yeah. So beets that look like, what does beet juice look like? It looks like blood. Beets are really particular, happen to be very good for your blood. Yeah, they're good at uh, cleansing your blood. That's right. Cleansing your blood. Walnuts. If you look at a walnut, it looks like, a, look at it, it looks like two halves brain. of a brain. Yeah. It's good for your brain function. Kidney beans that are shape of a kidney are good for your kidneys. You know, I mean, you can go down the list of things and it's, you know, that's fascinating. And that's the way that nature, inte- that's not an accident, you know, no. that's, that's an evolutionary thing. Cauliflower, what's, I eat a lot of cauliflower. Cauliflower is a cruciferous, so it's one of the healthiest vegetables. Broccoli, I love yeah. broccoli. Yeah, it's in the same family. And the raw portion of it, um, I am, I'm about 95% raw, which okay. obviously means I don't eat... Um, about five to six days a week, I, I don't literally eat any cooked food, which other, again, to people is really kind of mind blowing, hmm. you know, other than things that need to be blanched, like beans and things like that, or you sure. know, soak the beans. But I've told people, if you do a raw lifestyle for a week, sometimes it doesn't even take a week. It's such a surreal experience. You're, I don't, I don't know if you've done it or if you've experimented with rawness or juicing or juice cleanser. I've, I've done juicing. I try to go uh, 50-50 raw cooked because yeah. there are certain vegetables that um, cooking breaks down certain enzymes, which makes raw ideal. But there's others that cooking actually increases the bioavailability. So Yeah, you're correct. It's all about the bioavailability. Yeah, and some of them, you know, flash steamed and blanched. When I am mostly, it's, I almost become hyper aware yeah. Of things. It's it's like almost like a sixth sense. And uh my energy level too is, you know, people comment out they're like, you have boundless energy, and I do, and it's it's sometimes a challenge for me. That's a good problem to have. It is a great problem to have. I'm forty years old and I literally I can outrun, I can outperform any twenty, any eighteen, nineteen year old kid that works for me. That's you know, awesome. I run up the stairs twice as fast as they do. You know, usually I'm all over the place and people are, you know, they're just astonished. Like, what are you on? What are you taking? What I want some of that. Yeah, well, you know. It's amazing how simple it is. Yeah, it is so simple. It is so simple. And I um, I don't have any of those, cra- those cravings anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I haven't had that feeling of, oh my gosh, I need to eat this right now. Yeah. You know? And I tell people just like the, you know, it's, you know, like Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine. Yep. And I don't live to eat. I eat to live. I, I enjoy what I eat. It's not the focus of my life. Hmm. You know, I, and it, it used to be my life revolved around food before. And it, that ended up not being a good path for me. Well, that's fantastic. It's been great talking with you, Joey. It's been great chatting with you. I'm, I'm thrilled and honored and I'm happy to, happy to share my story and, hope that even if just one person hears it and says, 
hey, if this big dude who used to eat raw steaks and <laughs> raw meat and cheese all day, every day, you know, if he can do it, you know, working in a restaurant and being around food all day, if he can do it, I can do it. Anyone can do it. I hope so. I was probably one of the most extreme cases that were out there, I would imagine. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible how far you've come. And it's it's so great to see. And hopefully people listen and are ready to make changes in their own life. And everyone can do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I hope that people can see that they're worth it, that they deserve it. Yeah, and they are. And they are. Awesome. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Mend It Paths podcast at www.menditpaths.com. And did you know that the Mended Paths podcast can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher? If you've enjoyed the show, please consider going to these places and leaving a rating. The more ratings we have, the easier it is for people to find us and enjoy the show. Thanks so much. See you all next time. Visit